up, guys? Hello, hello. Back um, again. Got him back. Part two. We didn't have uh, enough time to finish the first one, so we had to arrange a, a second date. And he's back. And, yeah. So, uh, I'm you want to jump right into it? Where do we leave off? Yeah, so I think so. We left off when you were talking about um, your your previous job, and you started making the two bender. You went to your first trade show, and you got all these business cards. Oh, yeah. You know, you checked out the competition. Can you read that off for everybody, please? I'm blustery. A weather or period of time characterized by strong winds. A gusty, blustery day. And cold. <laughs> is there, is cold. there cold in there? There is, there is no temperature uh, reference in there. Okay. I stand uh, corrected. I'm glad we got that on the why record. Why do you need so many different names for windy? Gusty is windy. Yeah. Windy's windy. I just had a whole discussion about shelled versus deshelled. And, like, peanuts, if, if you want peanuts shelled, which means no shell on them, that you have to get shelled peanuts? Wait, what? Oh, yeah, I get it. That's yeah. totally an oxymoron. Yeah, it's, yeah. Really, it's really dumb. That's or uh, what is that called? When you defreeze it? Yeah. Right? So you're freezing. No, you defreeze it? Melting? Dethaw. Dethaw, that's de-thaw, it. Yeah. Defreeze it. Dethaw. Yeah. Thaw versus. Well, unthaw is a word, too. Yeah. So. All right. Well, so. Anyways. <laughs> so now that you all know that we're not English majors. <laughs> or smoke by any means. <laughs> so last time we were talking about you went to a trade show. Um, you're building your uh, Lamborghini Countach. You needed to bend a few rails, but nobody did that around you without doing higher MOQs. You went to this trade show. You saw some other competition, how other people were doing it. You made yours too, was it too big? To, no, I made, okay, so yeah, so I made mine to bend the tubing I needed for the Countach, and it was just a crude machine just to do what I needed to do. Yep. So then um, I changed, well, I also, I, I guess I did do that last time, but I changed the machine to be a sellable machine mm-hmm. to do more stuff. Went to the trade show and then um, I was focusing on the racing industry and realized that they needed to bend inch and three quarter tubing and I had my machine designed for one and a half inch tubing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yep. Well, no, so we left off. He had he had a box full of business cards. Didn't know what to do. Okay, yeah. so that's, that's where we left that's off. That's got home. Box full of business cards. Yeah, excited okay. so as fuck. Nervous. Yeah. Okay. What's going through your head right now? All right, box full of business cards that come back. I didn't know what the hell to do with them. I didn't know how to sell anything, and that's still my weakness today. Um, but I thought I could build machines pretty good. So what am I going to do with all this stuff? How am I going to sell it? So you, so you had a product. You had interest. Right. Not I had what? a product and had interest. Um, I, I believe I already quit my job. I don't remember exact details. I think I, yeah, I think I, yeah, I believe I quit my job. So now I was so really now you're screwed. Nervous. Now I'm screwed because yeah. I have to figure out how to make money. I have a family, two kids at home. So you, you did have both of us at this time. Yeah, I did. So what's the time? What's the date? For this is this? 1998. 1998. You quit your job. You're married. You have yep, two kids. Two kids. And you're gun ho about this new business. Right. So. Um, so I contacted uh, Stefan, and uh, he worked at Omega, the same company that I talked about earlier, and uh, he had quit also. So we had both gone our kind of our separate ways after um, after we left the company. Um, Stefan was the uh, marketing um, manager uh, for Omega, and he mm-hmm. sold machines. So we did work in conjunction for years. Um, I was designing machines at the company. He was selling them. And that's how you guys and, met? 
Well, yeah, we I mean, we worked together for, you know, I don't even know. I worked there for 13 years. He went to college in between there somewhere. So we worked together for 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, he was, you know, marketing. I was building machines. And, you know, he, he saw the same stuff I saw, I believe, is that, you know, the company wasn't going in the direction that was going to fulfill us. So right. I left, he left. But we had a good working relationship. Uh, you know, he was a go-getter. I knew he knew how to uh, market and sell stuff. So I I called him. I'm like, hey, I um, I think I have a really good machine here. Um, you know, I am started this business. I don't know what I'm doing. I have all this interest. And, you know, we talked a couple times. I think we met and uh, discussed what we had. And, you know, I think he was intrigued by what was going on. And I think he wanted to do something on his own as well. Mm-hmm. So he quit his, what he was doing, he was uh, down in Beloit working for another paper company trying to save them from bankruptcy, I believe. And uh, he started Bailey Industrial, and Bailey Industrial was going to be the marketing arm for RMD. So we had a, an agreement that him and I worked off of. Um, I make uh, machines, and he markets and sells and starts producing this stuff. But... It wasn't all peaches and roses right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, it took a long time. And this is where mom comes in huge. Because um, I was making, uh, how can you do that? Zero money. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. So I had no sales. Um, I was doing some machine shop work on the side just to stay afloat, to, to, stay afloat yeah. to have some money coming in. But mom was working real estate, um, taking care of you two boys. She's working like a dog. Yeah. Um, selling, you know, houses and stuff and that's what saved us. That's what kept us alive is, is mom working her ass off yeah. in those beginning. So by her working, it allowed me to kind of have the freedom and take a little of the worry away about trying to make money to to feed you guys. Yeah. So <laughs> well, what did the timeline look like from, so you got, you know, you talked, you spoke with Stefan about this idea to the yeah. point where you guys had a, had a handshake deal and you're... So kind of off to the races and like what it, where it was, was your mind at in between in well, that time yeah so i'm trying to think because bailey started in 99 i started in 98 and then there was a little lag there so i think i worked um before he started selling machines for us i was into it for probably a year maybe nine months to mm-hmm. a year before bailey you know committed and started uh um you know going full force and trying to market our equipment um so I had, you know, like call it nine, we'll call it nine months. So it was like nine months of no money. Um, You know, mom's paying the bills and I'm, uh, you know, trying to find my way. And Mm -hmm. so I'm doing job shop work. So that was my, you know, I'm a machinist too. So, you know, I was able to take on some easy machining jobs and, uh, you know, do some machine work and I was getting paid for that stuff. It wasn't, it was enough like, uh, or you just said, paying the bills and, Mm -hmm. and keeping, Keeping the lights on. Keeping yeah. the lights on, you know, basically. But yeah. on the other side is, uh, you know, I was my previous job I was doing okay. Um, we had some toys, so I, we both had motors. We had two motorcycles. Um, I had the Lambo and all that stuff. Well, this is where in that nine-month period I ended up selling the car, <laughs> selling right. the Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah. So that you started the business. That I started so the business how, from. How yeah. far along did you make it into the to the project? Did you finish it completely? No, or? I didn't. So, so the car ended up being a roller. Um, so it was on, uh, I had all the suspension made. I had four corners. I didn't have enough money to buy wheels for it. So I had wooden wheels to, to roll it around, but it was on suspension. Um, Mark Gersh, he made, a. um, he, him and I, well, we worked, that's a whole nother story, but, um, he made the front clip for it. So I had the whole front clip was out of aluminum. I had real Lamborghini doors that I bought off a burnt car 
and uh, those were functional and on the car. Steering all worked, wow. and uh, I sold it kind of as that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, no, it wasn't done, um, but I had a V12 um, uh, Jaguar engine that uh, that at that time that was really the only V12 around other than right. a Ferrari or a Lambo motor, which was not in my budget. Yeah. So I was going to build the... Uh, the Jag motor, um, so I sold it with that, the whole package, and uh, that was helpful. That kept us alive too. Selling that car at that time, I sold it for, I think it was twelve thousand dollars. And back in nineteen ninety eight, twelve thousand dollars was a, a lot, of, a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So I sold it on uh, um, Hemmings. Um, it was it was a big book back. Now it's Hemmings is online, but back then it was a big thick magazine, and you could get them at all the. Huh grocery stores and I listed it in Hemmings and that's where all the odd the odd stuff would go yeah and I had people calling me from Europe from no kidding yeah I mean it was like so I was people, pretty much the Facebook marketplace there yeah, huh? yeah. exactly but people <laughs> wanted the car yeah. yeah it was really I was getting calls from London you know at my Those house guys yeah. offering chairs yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyhow I sold it from some dude out of Milwaukee um, that helped a lot we ended up selling both the motorcycles um, I kept my Nova that was my high school car I kept that so all the toys were gone, and I just started buying equipment and stuff to start what I thought I needed to build machines. Yeah, I want to touch on that dynamic with <clears throat> so you with you and mom. So how did that conversation go when you're like, were you both on the same page of you quitting your job and going full in on this? Yeah, or? you know, I mean, it's a discussion that every um, you know every couple has when you get yeah. rid of your your good paying job, and you know, and I don't remember the exact discussions, but she was completely supportive of, of what I wanted to do. Absolutely. And it was, you know, it was great. So that made it easy. You know, I think she trusted me too that why, well, you know, I told her, I like, I remember saying that, Hey, if this doesn't work out, we're not going to lose the house. We're not going to go right. bankrupt. I'm going to go to work at a paper mill in green Bay. Yeah. I'm skilled in, in the paper world. I know I'll get a job. We even, you know, I'll even, have to drive to green Bay yeah. every day, but I know there's jobs in the paper world there and I know I can get hired tomorrow. So that was always my back pocket, my out is a, yeah. Well, it's, it's always, there's a few essential pieces there is people underestimate their spouse. And if you don't have a supportive spouse, oh, absolutely. That, that's critical for you to take that, that leap of faith and, and go on a new venture, but always understanding what you know, what you were talking about too, is knowing that there's something else there. Yeah. You can always fall back on something else. If you, you have to just give it a shot and go with it, you can always find a job or pick it up if things don't work out you know especially in a marriage it always takes both of you guys or you know both partners to help Mm -hmm. through this whole thing it's not a one-man show you know i i feel guilty because i get a lot of the credit all the time for um you know rmd and the success but if it wasn't for mom rmd would have no success Mm -hmm. you know she raised you guys through the through the thick and thin of it all i'm working like a dog all the time mom's home taking care of you guys plus working real estate right you know so it was yeah, it was a lot on both of us. Well, she had the entrepreneur spirit too. She did. So then, and that's I mean that's another story, and that comes on you know later in this whole thing. It was, you know, it came up that, you know, we agreed that um, let me do my thing, what I wanted to do, and she always had the dream of doing a restaurant. Yeah, and uh, we tried to do it a couple times while RMD was in infinite stages, and it just I don't know. It's, you and I had this talk. It just doesn't seem, it didn't seem like it was right. Or for whatever reason, it didn't work. Yeah. We tried mm-hmm. to do it, but we got either rejected on loans or the cost to do the remodel in this one building was way too much. Right. 
and it just didn't pan. The time wasn't right. The time wasn't timing right wasn't time right. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we ended up we we ended up doing it, and she got her dream and uh, was able to run a restaurant, a very successful one in Trevers, and it's she it's crushed great. it. Remedy Remedy goes down in history. That was the best place to get a burger, but it also had steaks and like huh. it was just a fun atmosphere downtown. I know. I mean, Trevers. That was I, a great great location. I miss all the all the fun and stuff we have there but i don't miss all the work that no. she went through because especially that the, the roof yeah, there's it was tons of stuff it was that, just yeah. a shit ton of work it made a i felt so bad for that too because uh my at that time rmd was going pretty good and i was you know i mean i had enough to do i was keeping rmd alive but she's starting this from scratch and now right. she's working like a dog from the beginning yeah. get, to get this thing going and i couldn't sp I was maintenance guy there, but that's really all I I could devote for time to yeah. to fix stuff because yeah. I'm still running another company. Yeah, well, but maintenance at with that restaurant was, was a full time, -time job. job. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I tell people if you ever have a restaurant, it's like yeah. a, it's like a a living machine, and you have to keep everything going. There's so Always. much, so many different aspects to a restaurant that people yeah. don't realize that you have to keep running it. Yeah, it was like holy shit. There's a lot to this restaurant sure. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That that's cool to know. I, I always want to touch on that dynamic of you know. The the home situation because at that point I can imagine the stress levels too. Like two kids. Yeah. Uh, there we're, was. We're only I guess we're a good distance apart, three and a half years. So. Well, you guys were easy to raise, really. I mean, but still having two kids is two kids. You yeah. Know, there's there's just a lot involved, but I don't know. It, it, I can't really put my finger, but it actually seems like it was easier back then for some reason, and maybe it's because of phone, social media, or Probably. whatever. Yeah. But um, we didn't really think about it. Yeah. It was just that's what we did. Yeah. You know, I had kids at home. I had to raise them and feed them, and, and you go to work, and, and that's what you do. That's you that's know? that's the main thing. While you're talking about this whole story, especially going to that trade show, I love that. Like you don't know the entire industry or what other like. Look, seeing where you are now and all the connections that you made throughout the United States in this demographic, it's so cool to look back at when you started. You had no idea. None. Nothing. Because there's <laughs> no phones. There's no internet. There's like You can't go look it nothing. up. Like you, you literally have to open a phone book in order to, yeah. you know, well, to like look for suppliers. Or right. like, I can't remember the name of them now, but there, there was our form of the internet back then in uh, – in industry there were these gigantic green books they were thick like this they were mm -hmm. like encyclopedias and they were numbered like i don't remember how many but it was like one through a hundred okay but these books were thick right and there was probably 500 pages in each one and you had and they were all alphabetically um organized mm -hmm. and companies would put their names in these books and that's how you found companies if you wanted a company to do something it was like you had to go Right. And kind research like a, like it in these catalogs. Dictionary. Kind of like a company dictionary. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember the name of Thomas Register. I think that's it. Thomas Register. Huh. But they were very helpful. Yeah. And if you were a company of anything, you were in the Thomas Register book. Yeah. But you had to know the name. But you had to know the name. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem, yeah. right? And, uh, I don't know if, I don't remember. Did they have descriptions underneath them they at did. all? Yeah. Like, so that, like, it was so like a little a supplier. Ad. So think of it like a Facebook marketplace, but in a book. <laughs> you know, it's a hard, yeah. a hard copy. So it was it like an refreshes ad. refreshes and but you don't you know if they're out of business. That's exactly it. So that's one thing I want, like, I want to note is how long, like, how long some of this stuff took. Like, we're used to instant, instant information. Like. I was thinking when you were talking about when you sold the the Lamborghini, how lo how long that process probably took. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it had to get in the book, it had to get or you had to submit it. Submit it. It right. had to probably had to get approved, edited, 
had to get printed. All those copies had to go out to the world. People had to get them, had to get the time to look at them. And then they call your home phone probably. Right, exactly. Is it weeks between posting the ad and hearing oh, anything a, back? Well, the, and, the, and the kicker behind it is there was no pictures. So it was just description. And when these people would call, I had multiple, I would go and have multiple copies of pictures made. Yeah. And then when people would inquire, I would mail them pictures nope. in the freaking <laughs> See, now mail. Facebook Marketplace. No, no, it's instant. That's instantaneous. Levi, or you bought that ship box for a grand you uh, flipped yes. it in a in a Not less eight. than 24 hours yes and somebody comes and buys it for two grand literally, yeah. literally <laughs> like 18 insane. hours and you, it takes you weeks, <laughs> if not months, to sell it. Yeah, I don't even know how long Labrador it took, but I, it was probably But even months. just finding a business, like yeah. think about, Dane, if we we're trying to find a new vendor, dude, how long that process would take. Like, it is, and you you have, there was no other means. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, just, and just, even it, today it can be long, right? Like when, you're, when your options be, yeah. like are slim and you're trying to look outside yeah. of that bubble to find who's new, who's still in the area, like right. those options become like difficult sometimes just to right. like to find people, right. which it sounds ridiculous, but then imagine doing that out of an almanac, you know, out of a out of a paper book where the company exists, they just haven't updated right. the book yet. Yeah. Right. Like Yeah, it's and I they would it, they, it really shows how spoiled we are. It is. Without a doubt, like, yeah. Just totally it's, spoiled with, with this thing. Yeah. Like it's they're a curse. It's almost not fair. They're a curse <laughs> and a blessing all at the same time. If you know yeah. how to use it though. I think right. if you know how to use it and, and you have a good head on your shoulders, that can be the most powerful tool yeah. to take advantage of. Yeah. Or it can like, be the biggest waste of time. Or it can be, exactly. It, it depends on how life. you use it. Yeah. So if you but get caught in the wormhole yeah. and start going. Yeah. But like, just think of that. Like, let's put it on, on perspective here. We could run a Facebook ad today and we'll know by tomorrow how it's performing. Where if we put an ad in that book, we wouldn't know till months. months. We'll know months. So yeah. look yeah. at how quickly you can scale and understand what's working and what isn't and pivot from there. Right. It's insane how quickly you can know, maneuver through today's it's, industry. It's, it's, a, huge, it it's a huge advantage. Even from when I started, you know, from when I started, there was no internet. Real, it was very, you know, yeah. it was dial-up where you hear Infancy the ding. stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I still you know, remember, yeah. yeah. The pinging or yeah. whatever it was, you know, right. that's how our internet was. Yeah. You know, it was and there was nothing on but it. But it wasn't because, used for marketing like that. No, like, it not, was just no, it was so just, new at the time. Like, yeah, yeah, it was. I don't even know what they did with it. Well, <laughs> before before you dive deeper into it, one one last thing on this is, um, so when you're starting RMD, what was like your what was your driving force behind it? Honestly, um, for me, um, I just wanted to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about being rich or making a shit ton of money. It was about having a great place for you guys to live. Uh, this is one thing I always used to say. I just want enough money to go out to nice restaurants and have a nice place to eat. Is it yeah. awesome? Yeah. I mean, really, that's as simple as it was. I yeah. mean, obviously, a nice car and shit is, is a bonus on top of that. But I wasn't doing it based on money, not right. at all. Yeah. I was doing it to be my own boss. Yeah. So you wanted, to, you wanted, I wanted freedom. freedom. That's what I was. It was freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, my boss was fine and all that, but I just wanted freedom. I wanted to be able to set my own destiny and and do my own thing and do it the steer way I wanted to do it, steer my own ship. That's, mm-hmm. That mindset's good when you have the work ethic behind it, yeah. where mm-hmm. I feel, especially today with these phones, is everybody promotes this, I want to be my own boss and do this freedom stuff, and then they work half as hard as they used to when they actually had a job. Yeah. And it's like, 
you're kind of going they against spend, the grain there. There's, you, you know, you're not really doing it right. If you want to be your own boss, you better work your ass off to like get to that next point. Well, what you realize, what I realized really quick when you're being your own boss, it's like, oh, great, I'm my own boss. But I'm like, holy fuck, I got to work my ass yeah. off. <laughs> Even harder. Yeah. yeah. To, yeah. So right. I, work, I worked way harder when I was my own oh, boss than sure. I did. Oh, yeah. For anybody else. For yeah. anybody else. See, and I actually, I find, so I did freelance for a while. I actually find that I work better underneath somebody. Like when, like somebody like Alex is like expecting something, I almost have like an obligation and I find it easier to work for somebody else who's like waiting on Something's me. Something's pushing you. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's the same in business is like when you get those first orders, you're working to produce those orders. Yeah. That's it's and then kind of you, the same thing, but it's not a tangible person. It's an order. But then yep. you also see the bank account and you're working yeah. to... Get yeah. some money in that thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's, she's getting dry. <laughs> so speaking of starting off, how long did it take before you were able to sell a couple machines? Was there a working yeah. prototype or something okay, that was? So, uh, yeah. So um, when Stefan came on board, um, we looked at the machines and we made four. I think I told you last time. But we realized that in order to capture this market, the machine had to be bigger or stronger to bend the race car the tubing. tubing. Yeah. So, so it wasn't shearing off the bolt heads. Yeah, well, yeah. I, we, that I didn't that make one. the podcast last time. We talked about. Yeah, that. you got to. You got to talk. Yeah. Okay. So, this talk is before, this is before Stefan came on board. Is I designed the machine um, to bend the inch and three quarter race car tubing, and I did another trade show. In um, this one was in Daytona, and I don't remember the name. It was some racing expo again. So I go to Daytona, I, I basically took the machine I had and I just scaled it up a little bit, just enough to do the inch and three quarter. So at that time I had my dad working for me, I didn't have a CNC machine to make the die, so we ended up having to make the die in two pieces and bolt it together. And it's hard to explain, but, but it worked and I did a test bend at home, threw it in the trailer, boom, off to, off to Daytona. So I get to Daytona and this story still haunts me, but it's funny all at the same time. So we're at the trade show, and um, Dale Jr., uh, he was very popular at that time. Yeah, he was, yeah. And he's, he's, in a, he's in a booth right next to me, you know. Not Dale, the, Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Dale Earnhardt Jr., Oh, yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. That's and awesome. Anybody, and there's a big line of people because he always signing autographs and shit. But, you know, there's the so whole— So this wasn't old man Earnhardt. This was, no, this is a kid. This is a kid? Yeah. Okay. I don't—the old man was still alive yet. He was still yeah. alive at that time? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't—I never seen him, though. But anyhow, um, I'm demoing the machine, and— uh, I can't remember who was in the booth with me. Somebody was with me, but I don't remember was who. Was your brother, wasn't it? Mm, no, Shane? it wasn't my brother. That was a different change. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm bending, and there's a whole crowd of people around, and I, I had this die bolted together with, uh, I think there were three ace bolts, and all of a sudden I'm bending, and when tubing bends, it wants to expand in the die. Right. And all of a sudden the bolts started shearing off <laughs> as I'm bending. <laughs> so and, they were, and they were going ping, and the <laughs> bolt would st- Sheer off in tension and it shot in the air. And as the bolts shot in the air, I grabbed them out, clean out of the air. And there's a whole bunch of people around, and I'm like, "Well, I guess we got we got no more demos today. No more demos today." And uh, I can't remember. I think it was three bolts that b- busted off, and I caught them all in the air. And uh, stuffed them in your. That was a quick. horrible, horrible, horrible demonstration. And uh, well, obviously those people didn't buy any machines. Yeah. Well, at least you knew what to fix. Yeah. So, so that's good that uh, social media didn't exist. Exactly. For that, uh, for that yeah. event. That would have buried the company. <laughs> there would have been no R. Or you would have. Or you would have went viral and it would have yeah. exploded. Yeah. <laughs> so we were staying by s- some relatives down there at the time, and I. Took the die off and I brought it uh, in their in their driveway. I went to Home Depot. I bought a drill and a tap, and I'm 
I hand drilled this die out and tapped it to the next size bigger, put bigger bolts in it. No shit. And then uh, went back the next day, and then it was fine It'll after work. I put bigger. You probably probably anxious watching it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was nervous as all hell. <laughs> yeah. But then we, uh, so that machine went to the Arca. I actually did sell that one at that show, and it went to the Arca Truck Series. I don't know what ever happened to it. Um, so real quick, not to interrupt, but yeah, I. I could be wrong on this, but I had thought that you, the first machine you ever sold, you got, you never got paid for. I it. didn't. That was Penske Racing. Really? Yeah. Ooh, putting them on blast here now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hey, yes. A- AP department. Over so, uh, voice. <laughs> well, I think it was. I was so um, anxious to to get a sale and mm-hmm. to have one in Penske at the you know at that time. I, I'm like you know guys just use it. And then if you like it, pay me kind of thing is how it went oh, down. So in case they didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, maybe they didn't like it. They probably they didn't it, because, yeah. It, yeah. because it was slow. I mean, the, the first those first four machines were slow, and that's why I never made any more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up going back to Penske, I don't know, maybe, shit, I don't know, four or five years later. And I asked them about it, and there was a bunch of blank stares. Nobody knew what I was talking about. So I think it just went out the back door somewhere. I was going to say, did, uh, they even ever, did they ever even get it? it was, Lame. I don't know. I never really heard from it again. But, I mean, that's got to be a little disheartening. Here you just started your brand-new business. You're at this trade show talking to Penske Racing, a big oh, figure yeah. in the automotive world, racing world, and sell your first machine thinking, fuck, this might go somewhere. Yep, exactly. And no, you nothing. No. Don't get paid for it. Well, there was a lot of stuff I didn't get paid for. <laughs> <laughs> I had to hunt. I had to chase money like you can't believe. I did stuff I didn't get paid for all the time. Yeah. But I was dumb and new in business, and you have. I feel like you have to do that though, especially in the beginnings. You have to give free product away. At least to try. Unfortunately, you, you have do, no. You may have to, but uh, you have no credibility. Yeah, you know, why should Penske Race and trust you? Exactly. <laughs> you know. But uh, so once Stefan came on board, you know we worked more as a team than. And I had somebody yeah. I could lean on, and he could lean on me too. With uh, so he would go out and uh, kind of prod the industry, like, okay, we don't, we don't, we don't know the bending industry. Neither of us did. Okay, so there's more than just racing. So he was going the electrical route, nice. like uh, going for conduit and stuff like that. And we had meetings set up, going to um, all these big electrical houses. And then when we were traveling, we ended up seeing other machines now that are out there. And we're like, oh, we do have competition. There's this machine. There's that machine. And then I kind of took kind of the direction they were going. I'm like, okay, this is kind of what the market wants. Right. So then I designed another new machine, and that was kind of our core base machine that we stuck with for years. Nice. And that was an electric gearbox-driven machine. So that's what I love about, real quick, is about RMD is I feel one of the reasons, especially when we always go to trade shows years back, you would look at other people and they still weren't at the point that you were at. And <clears throat> I think one of the reasons of that is you would see something someone else is doing, you would have an idea and you would go that night or and design it and have it done in a week and have yeah, a prototype made. Like the the level of urgency that you had was like no well, one else had it. Exactly. Well, we knew right away that we needed more product. Right. So right out of the gate, I'm like, oh, the vendors are great, fine and dandy, but that's not gonna that's not gonna Mm-hmm. last forever yeah so the obvious thing was a notcher you know and that was the one i probably spent the most time on but also is one of the coolest machines um i think rmd ever did yeah know? um and that so one, what's a notcher some people listening might not know what so it, a notcher is, notcher is. Uh, some people call it a coper a fish mouthing machine 
It's for taking a piece of round tubing and machining a cope or a notch in it so it mates up to another piece of tubing. Mm -hmm. You weld it together. And then you weld them together yeah. for making welding joints. So I came up with this, um, uh, it was called an eccentric notcher. And uh, it was the first machine I patented at RMD. And it's uh, an orbital machine that takes an end mill and it runs on an orbiting path. And you can cut from one to three inch diameter tube without changing the tool. Mm -hmm. And at that time, well, even to this day, it's, it's still a badass it's machine still, to this day. People it, fucking love it. It's super unique, and it's kind of a one-tool-does-all for notching. Huh. Yeah, it's a must-have for any it roll is. cage, tube fabricating you know, yeah. environment. So the notcher came, and then um, uh, we wanted... So tube benders, okay, so then we're starting to learn tube bending. We're learning the industry, learning where people's budgets are. We're learning the size capacity that these machines need to be, and we're learning. So what we needed to do now at this time, I had a great machine. We're selling, you know, I don't know. I don't remember the numbers, you know, maybe 10 a month. Mm -hmm. And you're still out of your garage at this point, or what's, what's, uh, the, the, well, my RMD, what's RMD look like right okay, now? Okay, so started in my garage, and uh, we built. I built all the first machines there by hand on a manual machine. The next machine, um, I built the first one uh, manually on manual equipment, and then I built three more in my garage, and I started jobbing parts out to a local machine shop. Mm -hmm. So, so call it eight machines I built in my home garage, mm -hmm. and I realized this isn't going to work. <laughs> and so I need so how long did it take to build one machine? I mean, if you're a one man, if you're a one man operation and you're doing it all on manual equipment, it has to take. It took quite forever. A bit of time, I yeah. never kept track. I should have. I never kept track, but I was burning the midnight oil. I was going out there five in the morning, mm -hmm. and I was working till ten, eleven at night. Mm -hmm. to, and realizing like oh my god i cannot do this forever this yeah, is gonna, not sustainable this is not sustainable yeah. i'm never going to be able to do this See, I love so that. i need cnc machines i knew it right away i'm yeah. like i need a cnc machine <laughs> throughout like the entire span you hit those roadblocks of holy shit i can't do this anymore it was every day it <laughs> helps you get to that next level then you'll hit it again next level hit it again and it never stops and it, that just that forces you to grow it then. does it forces you have to grow or you're not you're or not you gonna, stay the same or you, you won't know? you I would have went back to work because making them by hand yeah. was, it was right. I mean, it's fun to make the first one. Like I still have that energy. Making the first one to me is still fun. But yeah. When you gotta make a hundred of them, nah, not so much fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, build eight machines there. Then, um, just around the corner from our house, literally a block and a half away, was an open building, and it was a five thousand square foot place. Um, moved, I remember it. Moved everything Same. over there. You know, I, li I was literally walking stuff around the corner. That's how yeah. close it was. I walking machines down the sidewalk. I remember riding on the forklift with you, moving stuff from your garage to that <laughs> right? to that shop, driving the forklift down the road. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the first one where you like, the dot, the you could almost like forklift. see it through all yeah, the other houses? Could, yeah, you I, I know what you're talking yeah. about. So moved into that shop, and then uh, I stayed there. You know, again, I'm, I'm really bad with times unless I have this. It was only a couple years. Yeah. Uh, but it worked out for us. You know, that was my first taste of being in my own place. I had a nice office. Um, and so is Stefan there too? Where, yeah, where Stefan. So this building had a separate office. Yep. It was like a separate building in like right next to the driveway. And it was all, it was freshly remodeled and there was two offices in there and a bathroom and it was really nice. So Perfect, yeah. That was my, uh, my office was one part. Stefan's office was the other part. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked out at Era again. I don't remember exact times. I think it was a couple of years, maybe three. Um, and then there was another building that opened up 
remember that. Just too. around the corner well, from there as well. well. hold on. Yeah. It's, at, did you have any employees at this point, or is it still no, just you two? No, just us two. But then uh, soon I hired my first employee. I needed – I was doing everything, so I needed a guy. Mm-hmm. So I hired one guy. How, talk about that process a little bit. How did you um, – being a new company, fresh out of the gate. Yeah, I'm, how I'm did, curious to know what they did as well. How, was, did, how did you find this person? So it was like, word of mouth. So like? I actually um, – Danny Duber – Mm-hmm. Um, he was working with them, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. He was working with them at Miro, mm-hmm. and he was looking to get out of Miro. So know. it was word of mouth. Word friend, of mouth, friend, friend of a friend, friend, of yeah. a friend. He came by, and I told him, I says, I'm new. I can't pay you shit. Um, you know, we're looking to grow. You stick with me, and I'll take you with me. Yeah. That's kind of how I phrased it. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, I hate, he hated what he was doing, right. and he wanted to do something different. He came in, and, uh, and you know, I think he loved it. Yeah. And it, so did that change the dynamic a little bit? Because now it's not just you that you have to keep a roof yeah. over and put food in your mouth. You have another guy that's depending on you as well. It did, yeah. I mean, there had to be a little change of pace yeah, his, from what you're used to. His name was George, and he was a great guy. You know, we got along good, and it was just him and I in the shop, and we'd always have music blaring, and it was a great environment. And yeah, yeah. We just had fun, and we knocked out machines. I did mm-hmm. a, At that time, I did my office work, which wasn't very much at the time. And I would come out and I would do all the wiring. Mm-hmm. So I wired all the machines. George would do all the mechanical work. Mm-hmm. See, those beginning days when you when you get your first couple employees are the most fun. It was. You know, like, uh, but yeah. in the moment, you just in the moment you don't have much. Like sales are yeah they're rolling in, but you're not a massive. You don't have a ton of overhead. You don't have all these obligations. And those are the it most was fun, fun times. Yeah, it was kind of easy. Uh, well, right. I, sh- I shouldn't say easy, but going to work was fun. We'll put it, it that it's, way. It's, yeah. It looks yeah. easy now. Yeah. Looking back at it, right? But at the yeah. time, it was probably a little stressful yeah it was i mean there was always stress involved but going to work was to me was fun yeah you know like Which i couldn't what I, you were looking for right? i couldn't wait to get up to go to work well, you I, know i always yeah i just it, I, I enjoyed what i was doing right then i bought a cnc machine still at that first building and uh, i then i went from doing electrical work to running the cnc machine to making parts you know and I was like, holy shit, now I'm back to, I can't do all this again. I so need another person. Now I need another person. Yep. So uh, that's when Brett came in. So Brett yeah. was fresh out of high school, and uh, Brett was super ambitious, and he had he was a, a killer. so much yeah. go. And, I mean, I learned a lot from him. I'm like, God damn, this kid has a lot of freaking energy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. And uh, he took over CNCing, and, I mean, he took it to a whole other yeah. level. I mean, he really, really helped on the machining end helped rmd right get to this next level so wow. isn't that crazy where as you continue to go like you look at the players that really help push you to the next level and like you almost you you look at them of what, what is that saying where your next hire could completely transform your business could be you know mm-hmm. and uh looking at it that way of getting those people that are on board because that pushed you more too you saw him learning all this new stuff bringing all these new ideas to you like hell yeah this is you know, like you need that kind of energy at those stages yeah, to help take you to the next yep, level. Definitely, it, it was super helpful. And then now we had a we had some go yep. to us, and we could feel it. I had kind of all of my bases covered. Um, I, I can't remember if I hired my next employee there. I don't think so. I think from there, I take that back. That building was twenty five hundred square feet. Yeah. The next building I moved to was five thousand. So that was a nice building too. Then the, was, the next one. And was actually, really nice. the, the next one I didn't want to leave. I really didn't. That was like a. I do remember that. It one was too. a great size. It was a nice building, um, but we we outgrew it fast. Yeah. You know, so we went to the five thousand square foot building, and uh, that's when I hired uh, Greg, another employee. Yep. And um, 
So yeah, what I have, yeah, to do. that's it. So I think I stayed there with that so money. When you say you outgrew it quick, how how fast is quick? A year, two, two years? years? Yeah. Okay. A year or two. Um, I mean, two years in the business world is pretty fast. Yeah, yeah it is. Like. Yeah, I think it was two years. So yeah. at this point, uh, I just want to touch on the dynamic with you and Bailey. So mm -hmm. Bailey is placing POs to you. They are. Correct? Yeah, so that, I mean, that, was, entities, that right? was our agreement is, uh, you know, he was his own entity and I was my own entity and I wasn't selling anything direct anymore. And that was my whole weakness, like I, I back up to my whole box of cards that I came back. Right. I had no idea what to do. Stefan knew what to do with it. For sure. Yeah. And he took them and he started hammering, hammering people. He called every, every person on that card. Love it. Or, you know, on that list I had. And every right. trade show I'd come back to, I would just hand him the shit. I'm like, here you go. Yeah. Let's, you know, go. And he was getting sales. <laughs> One last thing you have to worry about and having you focus on what you're yeah, good at. Exactly. Focus Building on, yeah. cool shit. And then he would yeah. come back, you know, customers that we had, you know, our customers would come back with, you guys should really make this. Right. You guys should really make this. Or this machine needs to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, he would come back with that info that he would get from customers, give it to me. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. And I, and I was 100% go at that time. I would take almost anything I could if it fit us, and I would go after it. Yeah. And if we did, we could do it, we'd do it. If we couldn't, it got back burnered. Not to say I didn't ever do it, but then it happened right then. Yeah. And we had a great dynamic. Yeah. We really did. We had a great dynamic. Shit happened. We were selling. You know, were we making money? No. You know, it's, when it comes to making money, no, we weren't making any money, but we were paying the bills. And I was growing the company. I and was you're on your own time. I was on my own time. I was yeah. able to, I don't even remember if I took any money. I, you know, I, I must have taken a little bit to keep bills paid or whatever. For but, sure. But we just started you're reinvesting. Reinvesting. Right? In the, every time I needed machinery, I always looked at the next thing I needed to, mm -hmm. to, to grow. I needed, so I moved into the 5,000 square foot building. What I order? Another CNC. Right. right. So I had two in there. Yeah. So you know, just to keep up with the current demand of orders. Yeah. And that's cool too, because you, you're seeing, you're, you're trusting the process and buying those machines is, they're not oh, cheap. Oh, that was, I remember you know, the first like one. The first one was stressful because we had to, we had to put a lean against our house. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So a, that that's one. A big, uh, that's so a big undertaking. I'm, well, it was maybe a year, I don't know, maybe call it, we'll just say two years. I was two years in business. Yeah. Go to a bank, try to get a loan to buy this machine. They're like, well, you have no income, you know. They're, yeah. They're, so I had to, we had to put a lien against the house to buy the CNC machine. Two years for the first CNC, that's quick. It was right. 20, at that time, it was it was a, a entry-level CNC machine. It was, yeah. if I remember right, it was $26,000. And I was wow. like, that was a big, for yeah, me, that was a big freaking big. deal. Late yeah. 90s. Late 90s. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm like, holy shit. So I remember when I went to buy it, I went to, it was the Milwaukee trade show, and that's when I met Dan from Weller, you know, and he was with us for years as our CNC guy, but he helped us a ton too, you know. And buying, you know, I, the, my first machine was entry-level CNC machine, but I couldn't, there was no way I could have bought a, a, a name brand at that time, right. or we, we never would have made it. So I bought entry-level CNC, and it only lasted two years. I had to get rid of it because it wasn't that great of a machine. Right, but it helped you get <laughs> to that helped, level. But it yeah. helped us grow and baby step to where I was able to buy better machines. Yep. So then you're at the 5,000 square foot one. You, you buy another machine. You quickly grow out of that one. Then where do you go from there? Well, then we go to our final resting place, and they're still there today. Yep. 
which and is also uh, right around the corner pretty much. And that building is 80, <laughs> right? It was 80,000. Yeah, the whole wow. building was like 88,000 square feet, but obviously I wasn't renting that. And yeah. it, the building was used for cold storage, or not cold storage, just dry storage, I guess they call it. Yeah. And uh, I went to the company that owned it, Metalware was the company. I'm like, yep, um, I want to get a slot in here, but I only can afford enough for 20,000 square feet right now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, that's fine. We'll put you in this corner over here. I'm like, well, I don't want to be in the corner because if I, I don't want to move again. If right. I, and if I want to expand, I would like to expand and grow into this building because I was afraid if I would take a corner, You're locked in. I was yeah. locked in, another company would have came in and then I would have been boxed and yeah. then I couldn't grow and I had to move again. So I can't believe they let me do this, but I said, I want the middle of the building. Yeah. <laughs> and, you got uh, a screaming deal on that one, too. I did. Yeah, uh, like I mean, your stuff wouldn't spill out. Yeah. 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 So I've, I mean, that was, I'm a terrible negotiator, but I actually did good on this <laughs> one. And uh, I was able to get the middle of the building. And, and uh, it worked. You're like, oh, shit. Okay. And I think the guy I was dealing with at the time, he, I think he kind of liked me and saw that uh, you know, yeah. I had energy and I was going to grow into it. So he let me get away with a lot of shit there. So I took the middle of the building and then, as we would grow, I would just take an, we would call it another bay. Boom. Right. Said I was one set of posts. I would take another bay, another bay, another bay. And I just kept expanding all the way down to the line yeah. to where we are now is now we have half the building. You know, yeah. 40, you know, 44,000 square feet or whatever it is. And you have wow. what, like eight machines there or eight CNC no, machines? I have nine. nine when, CNC I, machines? when I left her was nine. Yeah. And so. that's, that's insane. Like I always remember walking in there and you see the size of the, these machines and it's it's a heavy undertaking for a business to invest in that much equipment. It is, it, and uh, but we cool. you know at the time of purchasing them, we I never bought one just because every one we bought we needed it. Mm-hmm. You know I bought it either because I was jobbing that part out and I wanted to bring it in house, you know, or our capacity was just at a certain level yeah. that I wanted. To, you know, I mean, you know, thinking back is and we had these discussions the. I could have gotten by with a lot less equipment, but it would have required three shifts. Mm-hmm. And it was for me, what do I want to mm-hmm. deal with? Do I want to deal with the problems of second and third shift, or do I just want to get more equipment? Right. And for me, the answer was get more equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, the second and third shift is tricky. second and third shift is tricky. And, uh, you know, hiring more employees, and you got to trust them at night. And you, you just know from yeah. everybody I talk to and everybody that runs second and third shift that, it's challenging. Yeah. I want to touch on three things before we go go too long here. One is uh, you and Bailey. So when when did that, when did he start selling other people's machines? Yep. And then second thing is uh, the quality of your machines and how did you move into different markets? Mm-hmm. And then the third being, I want you to talk about, uh, you always told Dylan how you bet your first employees was typically at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> but the first one, so, right. so Bailey, when did... So when, how long was that contract, and when did he start bringing on? Yeah, so, so Bailey and I had a um, – we both felt that we probably needed some type of something on paper. So if things went south, we each knew where we stood. Mm-hmm. So we had a c- contract drawn up, and this was early in the game. And then uh, Bailey was exclusive to RMD for five years, meaning that they could only sell and push RMD equipment yep. for the first five years. And that was my – um, understanding that somebody else wasn't going to come in and take all of Bailey's um, marketing energy and I was going to get left in the dust. Mm-hmm. So it worked out for us. So it was a five-year agreement and it was automatically renewing if they hit certain bench, certain mm-hmm. benchmarks. Nice. And uh, 
there was never a question. He always killed it and sold way more than the contract needed to keep the contract automatically renewing. Yeah. I love the dynamic you guys have there. Like you're the you're the behind the scenes, the brain, the engineer behind all these products. You build them to the highest spec and then you have that sales side that he's dominant on selling. It did. It, like our, he's, he's our like, formula worked out really good. That's it really awesome. did. I love and, that. And we I think we were both at that time probably not at the height of our game, but we had that that drive where we wanted to push yeah. to be at the height of our game right and he drove he was able to drive his angle without dealing about manufacturing and i drove my angle without having to deal about marketing yeah so that and that alone not having to deal with that can accelerate your two vectors i think it did tremendously right yeah i yeah. think it totally like, did you don't have to worry about marketing so let's let's just absolutely fucking hammer manufacturing he doesn't have to worry about manufacturing let's just absolutely fucking hammer marketing right now you guys can grow exponentially i think that's what happened mm -hmm. yeah you know, so then as the the five year thing came up, he had actually said that he was possibly going to be selling uh, t toilet tissue machines because there's <coughs> such huge money in that. That you know, it, it would be yeah. my stuff here, but he might sell toilet wrapping equipment under the Bailey brand also, because right. there's like I told you, huge money in that. But he ended up not going that direction and going staying in the metal fab huh. world. It's a big enough industry the way it is. Yep. So, in that. Whenever we go to shops, even nowadays, you always see those the yellow machines and yep. know right away that it's yeah. yours. And typically, they're they're years, tens, fifteen, twenty years old. And I remember you always telling Dylan and I one of the biggest quote unquote problems you ran into were that you made your machines too high quality to yeah, where you didn't really have any people parts. repurchasing or replacement yeah. parts. Like, replacement parts is a huge part of a business's revenue. It is. And that's I, a good thing, though, because then that, that word of mouth of, yeah. like, hey, this is the best machine there is. So that, that is twofold. Um, so back when I worked at Omega, um, they they're a huge part of their business was replacement parts. Yeah. So they'd get a machine out there. They didn't design them to fail, but it just happens that those machines ran 24-7, and parts did fail. Yeah, like, nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts right? forever. Like, everything has a lifespan. But when I was doing my machines, I didn't want to design any weak links in it. I wanted to design it the best it could be, and I didn't want to hear from the customer again unless it was positive. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, or they're going to buy another equipment because they loved it so much. Yeah. That was, and I stuck to that right to the end, is yeah. I never designed anything, um, knowing, knowingly that something was going to fail on it. Yeah, I love that, and. So you started off with like tube benders and then uh, moved into tube notchers and then you got into this metal shaping yep. industry. So where did that branch kind of happen? Yeah, metal shaping. I mean, that all, of, I mean, that's backing up. So my, you know, I was doing the company, but I also had a lot of other interests and my other interests were cars because mm. I was building a Lamborghini, you know. So uh, I still kept in contact with Mark Garish and he's my car influence side. And, uh, you know, back up to high school before Omega, I was working for him part-time, and he was redoing Cobras and Ferraris. He was building Cobras and Ferraris from scratch, and uh, his whole shop was full of metal shaping equipment, mm -hmm. big stuff, Yoder power hammers, English wheels, um, all, you know, traditional machinery. And that stuff was always in the back of my head as, like, that stuff is really cool. Yeah. And I really liked the metal shaping world. I just... It was fascinating to me, and yeah. I wanted to know more about it. Well, tube bending came along, and that that, that was my core focus for years. But as uh, things opened up, as far as wanting to do new products, I brought that back. It was in the back of my head. I'm like, 
I think this there's room to have new products built here. And that's when I did the MH19, yeah. the multi-hammer. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, that opened up a whole new world, a whole new angle for RMD to go. And I remember at that point, too, isn't that when you kind of did a rebrand also? I remember you always had, like, the RMD and tube, you know, yep. like your logo. And yeah, then you, you went with this more, like... A couple, couple in, renditions. Yeah, so it was the cursive one, and then it was the yep. old one, and then it was the one what it is now. Yeah, right? so, so we've gone through three logo iterations the first one mom designed mm -hmm. she drew that one nice and that's the one we printed that yeah. was uh, her creation and then the next one uh was the guy around the corner I forget his name dave nichols yeah he did the other one and he was a like a professional logo guy and yeah. you know he knew industry and things that look good so he did the next one and then the third one i just contracted out online i just wanted a new yeah it, it was time that you gotta the, refresh it every now it, and then yeah. I felt that we needed some new life in the logo world. Yeah, I love that. But even the colors of the machines changed too, right? They were yeah. blue, then they were when I first or they were red, yeah. and then blue, and then black. A few black ones, and then it ended up sticking with caterpillar yellow. Yeah. So we started red, and then uh, I realized that there was a the competition. Was there was competition red. was red, and then we did blue, and then there was another competition that was blue <laughs> that I didn't know about, and I'm like, shit. We got to do What other colors are there? <laughs> you know, so uh, we were looking for a color, and this was, um, I don't remember the year, but I was designing a more affordable bender, and this was a hydraulic version. So there was all kinds of different angles that all happened at the same time. So there might be controversy on if this is exactly why, but so the first hydraulic machine I built, um, I put on hydraulic cylinders from uh, Prince, and their, their primary customer was Caterpillar. So I bought stock mm -hmm. cylinders that were used on Caterpillar machinery. They came in, and I'm like, hey, that color is kind of yeah. cool. But at the same time, we were also doing TV shows and stuff. Right. And I'm like, boy, if we just put a machine out there, they might confuse us for the competition. Mm -hmm. They might not see it in the background. I'm yeah. like, I think we should go with this yellow color. Stefan and I, we had meet. I know, I remember we had meetings. I don't remember the exact details, but we're like, that's it. Let's go with yellow. The yellow yeah. sticks out. It'll stand out. And it has a Exactly. That was another thing. As we all at that time felt the Caterpillar yellow, yellow meant industrial strength quality, mm -hmm. go for it. And, yeah. and that's what sold us on the cat yellow. And yeah. then from that point forward, we changed all the machines. Got rid of all blue stock, and then everything from there forward was cat yellow. And it pops too in a shop. It does, and you now know, that, that it still yellow, does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And now it worked out, maybe by accident, maybe not. But on the TV shows now, all the stuff that's syndicated, all the American yeah. Choppers, all the old Monster Garages, Iron, it was all an Iron, Man Iron Man movie. Yep, Iron Man movie. You look yeah. back in the background, if you if you're not. You don't huh. have to have a trained eye to see the machines now. Right. You can just look and see the yellow ones and bam, oh, there it is. Bam, yeah. there it is. Bam, there it is. Yeah. So it actually worked out to our benefit in the end mm -hmm. that the yellow uh, yeah. stands out. So, I guess, sorry, one last thing, too, yeah. is I want to touch on all the cool shit that you did. So you're on, like, Monster Garage, working with Jesse James. You did some pretty cool stuff. I did, like, yeah. Where did, where did that all go? Yeah, so, you know, Monster Garage came about. I was a huge fan of the show, first off, you know, and that was kind of right in the heart of our growth growth yeah so this is like early 2000s, 2000s or like 2002 2002-ish so that's right about it's, when all those tv shows on history and discovery channel yeah, like they exactly. were they were the king shit like so we everybody was watching so yeah. we hit them hard and the first one that we were on um 
we shipped machines to Monster Garage to be on TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I don't know how we got the connection. Stefan got it somehow or whatever. Um, we had a connection to the garage manager. Wow. And we're like, we want to send you machines. And at that time, there was a big shakeup at Monster Garage. Jesse had a fight with somebody or whatever. Ended up taking all the machines out. And they were like, okay, they had a big fight. They're starting the show back up. But we have no equipment. Right. So we just, I mean, literally, I think it was What luck. an opening. Wow. Yeah, luck. Yeah. And uh, the shop manager's like, we're filming on Tuesday, I don't know, whatever it is we're filming, and we need machines here, like, right now. So we all are shitting tax, and we're sending them whatever, you uh, got. whatever we got. Yeah. And that's when you guys flew out there with me. I don't know if you remember it or remember not. remember that, yeah. But we're like, well, we can't fuck this up. we got to get out there, set it up, make sure everything was working, blah, blah, blah. So we flew out there. Um, so I said, the first day, I'll go set shit up. And I'm like, if I can get you guys in, I will, you know. And so, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the show was hot at the time. Yeah. So I set the machines up the next day. The garage manager was cool. He says, yeah, bring your kids by. No big deal. And that's where I got pictures of all you guys. I remember going there. Yeah. yeah. All the equipment. Really early builds. Yep. yep. So we came back, and then um, uh, this was like a month or two later because the filming and editing and all that stuff. And we're like, um, we're talking to the manager. They're like, yep, they built this whole ch uh, truck. It was the Pikes Peak race truck. And they're like, mm -hmm. they built a whole thing with your guys' equipment, and it's airing on this day. And we're like, what? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We're all we like so we sick. won the freaking lottery, so yeah. we had a huge freaking party. In a way, man, you're so really that's like, dead. That's like going what the equivalent of going viral, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So um, both our companies, both Bailey and uh, RMD, we had a you know, we've got a spot at a barn or a like viewing party. A viewing party yeah. and we're gonna watch it all to see um, a glimpse of a piece of yellow equipment, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah, but that's a great reason to drink. How rewarding is that? It though? Was, like it all is. the year, all the effort, and everything you're putting into, it, putting into this, that yeah. everybody's putting into it, just to you know see something that you've had a part in on a you know notable program that thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are going to be watching. I know it was a cool feeling. It was huge. Um, it was huge for us. It was like, oh my god, our shit is going to be on TV. Yeah, and uh, so we go to the viewing party and we're watching, and there was maybe a four-second glimpse of the machine being used, but we thought that we just won the Super Bowl. Absolutely. That's awesome. yeah, I, I, I think of that video that everything goes around now where, like, there's that bar and there's that big screen, yeah. and, like, the, the whole bar cheered. just goes absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That, and it just, just yeah. totally erupts. That's what it felt like for us, you know. That's awesome. So that happened, and, uh, you know, we were all good, and then we are like, you know, every episode after that, um, there were some glimpses of it, but yeah. it was it was never like. Mm -hmm. right. Actually, I take that back. There were some times where they were using it. We're using it, and yeah. it got really good footage. So that's cool. But uh, then being on Monster Garage was a whole nother story. So everybody thinks, oh yeah, because you got your machines in there, that's how you got on, and it wasn't. Well, hold on. So like, did you? Then you guys hit TV really hard. We did. Right? Because after was, that, then it was American Chopper, yeah. and it was all it these is. other different TV shows that you tried to get on. Because, like, at the time, that there was no internet still, right? right. Well, no, there so was. There yeah. was, but it wasn't nearly to the extent no. that it is right now. It so, was like, the best way to get your shit out there was TV. on one of these TV shows. It was, mm -hmm. for sure. And these TV shows were very popular. Yeah. Like, American Chopper was, it was bigger, than Mox, yeah. One, yeah. Mon, bigger than Monster Garage. So we were hitting them hard, mm -hmm. and uh, so I did the same thing. I went out to American Chopper. We set up a bunch of machinery, got that, and that stuff. I still see it being used yeah. in syndication. Every show, there was a show called Big, that was in California. Yeah. I went out to that one and set that equipment up. Um, I feel like I'm missing a big one here. Um, 
But anyone, anything that was on Discovery Channel, we had yeah. our equipment. But then it just kept exploding, right? Then you were on get on Fast and Loud with Gas right. Monkey. You guys are in um, Bitchin' Rides with Ken Diggett. Yep. Wow. Um, pretty, almost every car show that's on TV. Yeah, Martin Brothers. Yeah, Martin Brothers. Iron Resurrection are on there. So then how'd you get on a Monster Garage? So that's, uh, so, um, so I'm at home I'm remodeling our basement. Remember uh, the, yeah, the yeah. last? So I'm remodeling the basement, and I always had Monster Garage on. You know, so Monster Garage was on, and then um, that night, uh, Jesse was on Jay Leno, the Jay Leno show. And yep. he was just getting interviewed or whatever, and they're talking about Monster Garage because it was a big hit at the time, and he mm -hmm. was pumping it. And Leno goes, uh, so what's your next one? He goes, the next one, he says, I've seen in popular mechanics, you know, a flying car. He says, I want to build a flying car. And I'm airplane guy also. And, and I'm like, oh, that's the one I want to be on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like you said, internet, internet was very new. So the next day I'm online, I'm trying to figure out how to get on this damn show. And yeah. they had a thing where you had to uh, fill out a, a questionnaire, uh, give an interview, and then uh, you had to make a video. You like to had yeah. to sell yourself with a video. This is VHS tape. <laughs> you, so you, had to, you had to mail in a I had to mail a VHS tape. <laughs> that's funny. So I don't remember who filmed it. Somebody filmed me in the um, at our. So I went to my shop and I just out of. But for the I first time I ever tried to, it, though, to sell myself. And didn't we make funny videos on the uh, bar stools? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. I do. I remember. Yeah, so we filmed all kinds of just yep. every goofy contraption and try to showcase talent that I'm capable of doing this. Yep. And then I remember doing a bunch of. I'm in Nova yet. I did a bunch of donuts out in the parking lot. Um, so yeah, so uh, I sent it in. And uh, we were at Eagle River. Eagle River at the snowmobile races. Yeah. And I got a phone call. This is like January. I don't know. It was cold out. I remember it was zero. And I got a call and it said California, flip phone, you know, or whatever. I go outside and it's, I remember it was like two below out. I'm freezing my ass and they're like, yeah, this is so and so. You're accepted to Monster Garage. And I freaking lost I remember my shit. Right the whole. <laughs> so isn't that crazy? So what is this, 2002 or 2003? Well, that was 2004. 2004, and you still get reception or better fine, than you do now. That is absolutely that true. That's way too funny. I know this thing had a pull-out antenna. Because <laughs> now it, you'd be missing that call yeah. if you're in Eagle River. <laughs> right. You would not be getting that call. So there's a handful of people in the bar, so you don't worry. So oh, yeah, there's no way. So I got accepted, and uh, obviously that was a big party night. That oh, night. yeah. <laughs> I got I tore it up. Uh, came back, flew out to, uh, they, um, they got it all set up. It was that spring in April or whatever, so it was 2005. Then I flew out, did the episode, and uh, ours was such a monumental task that we had 10 people, but it still mm -hmm. was only five days. Yeah. And uh, people are going, that's one thing I'll give Jesse a lot of credit for, is all the other shows are edited and they stage things and you got to say this, and there was yeah. none. Nothing at all. Yeah. It was 100% core rot, and whatever happened, happened. He just there was always no... has that much drama? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was no staging. No yeah. staging? Yeah. No staging, nothing. It was awesome, though. It was cool. It was That's definitely really the cool. feather in the cap, one oh, of the highlights absolutely. of my career. And well, I mean, you built a re you built relationships with a lot of cool guys there too. Yeah. Like I, I mean, Smitty. That's when you met Smitty. No, Smitty was oh, on no? Biker Build Off. Oh, that's it. Yeah. 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 So Smitty and that's I didn't right. know each other at that time. Um, but yeah, then uh, you know, we, me and Jesse, we were friends at that point. Or we, I met him one time before that when I set the machines up, and it was just a "Hey, how you doing?" kind of thing. And mm -hmm. he didn't know me from Adam. And then when I did the show, we talked a lot more. We got to know each other a little better. 
And then uh, we kind of became friends after that. So then as the years went on, um, I went to a lot of his no love parties and that yeah. was in, in the choppers at the time. Right. And, uh, you know, we became friends. We shared uh, stuff that we were working on, stuff that we were building. I shared airplane I was working on. He found it intriguing, you know. Yeah. And, and we you, built, I mean, you built two West Coast choppers. I built two bikes yeah. with his parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and went to a lot, a lot of his events and uh, we hit it off. We were, you know, we were friends. So we, we became you know, first name basis, texting yeah. back and forth and things like that. And then this biker build-off came up. Well, biker build-offs were happening, okay? And then there was a big grand finale that he was doing a bike against the Tuttles. And against Gas Monkey. Against Gas Monkey. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he called me out of the blue and he asked me if I wanted to be on the build. That's awesome. You know, I'm wow. like, fuck, hell yeah, let's, let's go. go. You know, so... Yeah. So we went down, and the, the bike we did was the Scorpion bike. Yep. And uh, it was against the Tuttles that built the track. It was like a tank. Yep, yep. And then uh, the other brother, not brother, his son, um, what the hell was that one? It was, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Some huh. stretched out chopper yeah. thingy. Yeah. But we did the bike build, and that was great. That was a lot of fun also, you know. But it seems like everything, at all the shows that I do, they only air the one time, and that's it. Yeah, you know, like the flying car. Nobody's nope. ever rarely. And that's do probably I, one of the coolest, yeah, coolest right. builds that they did. Rarely do I find somebody that's seen it because it only aired the one time, and then Monster Garage got into a big battle with Discovery. Yeah, but I think it, it was a two-parter too. It was a two-parter, yeah. and it kind of got kicked off the air. But they never play that one on on syndication on replays. Huh. And the biker build-off thing too. You know, I don't know if it's Jesse's abrasiveness or whatever that yeah. they. You know, they, well, one thing with him, you gotta give him props is he is he's authentic. And he, he is authentic. Even so on Instagram, he doesn't give a shit what you think about him. No, <laughs> not a. He'll no. say what is on his mind, and you, you have to appreciate that. Yeah, usually you know? in a position where he doesn't need to impress anybody, or right. he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, and good for him. Yeah. Which is what everybody's going for. Right. I want to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. So, I want, kudos to him. I want to do <laughs> fuck you stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, I don't care. <laughs> so then, uh, to wrap this one up, uh, you ended up. Exiting, uh, what was it? Yeah, so three, you three know, and a half years ago? life changes, and uh, there was an opportunity to sell, um, sell the company. And I, after a lot of uh, discussions and departed talks with uh, yeah, with Tracy, uh, we decided at this point in our life it's probably a good thing to, to give a try. So that's twenty five years. So that's two thousand, or excuse me, nineteen ninety eight. You started. And I sold R&D it. I sold, sold in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. So that's a pretty good stretch. Tw- about so twenty years. years. Mm-hmm. So then we decided to uh, to sell, and uh, I stayed in for I think it was three years after that I worked uh, semi part time ish. Mm-hmm. And then it was time to then then uh, I sold to Bailey, and then Bailey sold to JPW, and then that's when I knew it was time to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm out, and then, uh, well, then your story starts. Yeah. Well, now <laughs> you're working more than you were before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is no. all so much fun, though. This is this is ex- super exciting for me watching this yeah. thing grow and how talented you guys, you all are, and are taking this thing to another level. And like, compared to what I did, and lightning speed and lightning growth, and just yes. Yeah. We yeah, just, we just lot, talked about a it. lot to the internet yeah. Yeah, and social media and how, how how huge of an advantage that is and such a useful tool that we have nowadays to use. I mean, look, so it, it took you it took you 20 years. Right. Right. To grow your business to it what did. it was. I'm not throwing shade at you no, at all. No, no, I did. But it. like that just shows like 
how t how much times have changed. It has, yeah. right? Like you could have absolutely done it too if you ha if you would have had the resources. Yeah. Then, Look right? at it this way: is we have your work ethic, but we just have the internet. Yeah. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Chris, do you think that that like growing with them growing up watching you build your business, do you think that that has sort of contributed to where we are today towards uh, their I think business helped. intuitiveness you know, I, I think or I don't know, Dana, are you good paper shredder yet or no? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was gonna come up. Dana, we almost, we almost <laughs> ended it. I thought we had it. Dan, you oh, want to tell us fuck. about your first job at uh, at Dan's company RMD? No. <laughs> I didn't like shredding paper, Sam. I was a paper shredder for yeah. a day. <laughs> I remember walking uh, into your office. I'm like, where'd Dave go? Oh, he's, he quit already. Three hours, <laughs> this isn't for me. Um, no, sick of the scissors? Yeah. Uh, you guys probably oh, don't remember. It was even an electric paper <laughs> shredder. No, it was an electric paper shredder. <laughs> No, but to touch on your question, like a lot of our drive comes from seeing that it's doable. And, you know, we have two great role models and two parents that are completely on board with what we're doing. And that's a massive advantage also is not only your spouse, but your parents also. And there's a lot of family dynamic that goes into running a business yeah. that a lot of times some people don't have that family support. And we're extremely grateful oh, for you. that support that you guys have. Because I know a lot of people that were business owners that didn't have that support from their parents. And it makes it a lot more, it, it, it makes does. it a lot tougher. And it stretches I, like, it out longer. The most fun is like, taking these trips with you <laughs> and just like have having but like, you're, you're like our best friend oh, and exactly going you on these trips is the, it's the most fun ever <laughs> like that california trip you're just fitting it's a with, hoot, with yeah. all of us and it's just it a, blast. It's it's a blast we can all just kind of get together and yeah. pick on alex yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even here we can not even here we can still pick on him i love razzing that guy he's <laughs> He but, knows I love him too. Oh yeah, he 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 loves it. But um, yeah, you and mom are the, the most supportive. You both are entrepreneurs. You both are hustlers, and you're here almost every day. Yeah. Um, mom still comes in quite a bit as well. But just the support that you guys have and pushing us to the no, to the next awesome. level is awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's great. Yeah, I'm just it, like like I say, I I couldn't be more proud watching what you guys are doing and where it's going. Well, it's we, exciting and fun and great and yeah. Um, you know, we, I've always like, yeah, maybe take it easy a little bit. I'm trying to be the responsible <laughs> dad, making sure you don't over go too far. But uh, oh, you mean Viper Fest? Fest? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you mean uh, Viper Fest? Like, are you guys sure you really want to go this big? <laughs> you sure you want to do an energy drink? Yeah. Well, sure speaking of which, Dane, why don't you uh, give us a little... Well, hold on, real quick, before, yeah. before he ends. It, what is the one piece of advice that you would give anybody considering starting their own business or taking a leap of your own, looking for that freedom that you were looking for? What's, give them the best piece of single advice that, that you think would yeah. help them out. Well, nobody's going to give you anything. That's that's one. One is you have to earn. You, you have, have to, to almost, work your fucking dick off to get you it. You almost have to. Well, you do. You, you have to. I guess. I went weird really you fast. Have to <laughs> earn, you have to earn every, every penny. You really do. In the beginning, you have to earn every freaking penny. Yeah. And it's work, and uh, just be focused. Try not to um, try not to deviate. You know, pick something and follow it to the to its end. Yeah, that's one thing I love about you too. Is you work your ass off, but you know how to have fun too. Yeah, and I think yeah. you have to have that dynamic in order to be happy. Because otherwise, if well, that's the other thing. I mean, back you know, up, I mean, you have to love what you're doing. Yeah, so if you're yeah. doing something just to make money and you hate it, it ain't gonna work. It's not gonna work. In my opinion, it's not gonna work. 
you have to love what you're doing. Yeah, well, yeah. No, it won't work because you yeah. need to have the passion, yeah. right? If you don't love what you're doing, you don't have the passion there. And it's if you don't have passion, it's not going to fucking work. Yeah, yeah just I mean, it's the old saying, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So one thing on that, too, I, I feel, especially with the social media, everyone always says you have to love your product. And I think it's even more than that, too. I think it's what you want to build the company to be and what brand you want to build you know like so i look at some B- vision yeah like like bailey for example bailey had or uh stefan he has that that brand how can i build this yeah. name even if he doesn't care about the product not saying he doesn't but how can i build this name to be in every garage right that alone can drive somebody you know yeah it doesn't necessarily even have to be the product it's well just that's where loving i, that, I mean that, that was journey. where i screwed up is i had no understanding of how important branding was yeah i do now now i understand and now that's why brand and viper, recognition is the everything. viper name you know when we created that and all that stuff that was all done strategically mm-hmm. for a reason and now it's proving that it's working yeah that it showed right and, you know yeah yeah really loved having you on appreciate everything that you do yeah, for no us problem. let's do it again yeah and Sounds honestly we, we wouldn't be where we are right now if it wasn't for you i can't honestly. wait for the next one we should we'll do this we'll, we'll do an after hours one where we'll drink, where some, beer, drink some beer and talk about out talk some stories and <laughs> yeah let's get let's <laughs> do one get with viper some fun stories yeah. yeah let's do one and talk about viper fest that would be good actually after, after the math Af- aftermath, yep. And aftermath, Viper Fest. No, let's do it after SEMA, after the there we go. the show, and after PRI. Okay. And then we'll talk about all the shit that we shouldn't have done. So we can yeah. talk about how Dylan's shit box is gonna destroy Dave yeah. and Alex's <laughs> shit box in the burnout pit this weekend. We'll see. It'll be a hoot. I'm excited. To, even though I'm not going to SEMA this year, I'm excited for it for you guys. Yeah. yeah should, should be cool. Be, should be a really good year. Well, cool. This episode was brought to you by Viper Energy, um, new energy drink on the market that is no artificial ingredients. It's natural. It's clean. It's good for you energy. Uh, One of the reasons Dylan and I even brought this to market was because we couldn't trust anything else that was in the industry. So what better thing to do than just to make your own energy drink uh, with ingredients that you can trust, built by people that you can trust. Available now on ViperEnergy.com. That's V-Y-P-E-R Energy.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Dad, for coming on. This was awesome. Peace.